Well, hello again, and welcome back to this episode of Live Exposed. I am Reggie Brock, and I'm amazed every week that anybody listens to this podcast. Right? I mean, like, I'm grateful for it, but I am shocked <laughs> at how many people week in and week out keep coming back to this well. And, uh, you know, if you, I, can, I can assure you this, it's not because of the production value of this podcast. You look around, I, I mean, I'll, I listen to podcasts, I listen, you know, that friends of mine have, and I see this high level of production, you know, the perfect lighting and the audio is, you know, dialed in and, you know, they're, they look the part and, you know, they've got really great intro and outro music. And I look at mine and go like, what in the world? And I really think the Lord spoke to me about this to comfort me probably and just said, you let me take care of that. You know, this is, I'm going, you know, one of the things that I think we do or I try to do uh, is not really focus on that. And you can probably uh, see that I've, that commitment has truly been lived out in my podcast. Not a lot of high production value, but what I do know is this, I am running into people every week who are teaching me things and I hear things come out of people's mouths and I go like, oh my word. This is the kind of lean forward stuff that other people need to hear, right? Because the point of this podcast to me has always been a couple of things. Number one, it's always been about being vulnerable and transparent because until you are, hear me, you are not going to get over some of these hindrances and holdbacks that have keep, are keeping you from progressing in life. It's not going to happen. You can hide your life away. You can avoid, you can make things uh, like insignificant. And you think if I just don't deal with them, they'll go away. You're fooling yourself. And then the other side of this is I feel like that there are people that I run into on a regular basis that have voice and very little audience. I mean, they've got something to say. I mean, there's something that comes out of them that resonates deeply with me. And so as if you've listened to me in a given amount of time, you know, before, I think the first 40 episodes or 38 episodes that I did, it was just me just pouring my heart out to you. And I feel like the directional change was that now that we're synced up in terms of alignment, I want to bring people on here that I meet that have blessed me, that have spoken to me, spoken to Connie and I, and that's the case with my guest today, uh, in a very random meeting. And when you hear, when I bring these people on, you need to perk your ears up and listen carefully because there's message here that will cause you to lean into life as opposed to back on your heels. And because once you get back on your heels, your equilibrium shifts backwards. It's really, really hard to gain ground. And so today I am so glad to have a new friend of mine, J.D. Buckridge. J.D., turn your camera on for me now and join me. So, man, it's good to have you. We met in kind of a different and unusual situation. We're both uh, friends with John and Sarah Abernathy. If you guys, if, if you're listening to this broadcast and you don't know who John and Sarah Abernathy are and you're in the roofing and construction industry, do yourself a favor and get to know them. I mean, these are quality individuals that do, what's that, Southeast? Is that Southeast? Southwest Missouri. Southwest Missouri. And, yeah. uh, you know, up in the Joplin area and surrounding areas, get to know them. They bring a lot of, of value to your life. And one of the values they brought to me was some introduction to some new friends. And so one of them is 
J.D. Buckridge, who is in the Joplin area. Got a great company. I'm going to let him talk to you about that in just a minute. But J.D., thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for having me. What a powerful introduction. And likewise, it was kind of a, uh, a cool, weird, synchronous <laughs> moment. Uh, the moment that that Zoom call, I was in John and Sarah's conference room doing a training with their team. And, and John said, you need to stay and you need to hear and meet Reggie Brock. All <laughs> in. And like instantly, my like I was glued to the Zoom screen, and I think I told you I took like four pages of notes that day. You were diving deep into character and conduct, and about what's hidden needs to be revealed in order to progress forward. And it really pierced my heart because I realized, man, maybe there's some hidden things in me, and and I knew there were, and I knew there were some things that I had to address. There were some insecurity issues. There were some personal battles that I had to really look at and say, this is something I know that's plaguing me. This is something I know that's holding me back. This is something I know that will continue holding me back should I allow it to do so. And so thank you for that word and thank you for that message and thank you for the friendship because we've had a lot of fun talks and time. Yes, we have. So and I, then Connie and I finally got to Joplin about a month and a half ago or yep. something like that. <laughs> and you graciously took us out to dinner. We just were able to spend time fellowship with each other and get to know each other. And you said some things in our meeting that really uh, ministered to me, if you want to know the truth, and things yep. that I started thinking about in a different way, as you know, and most everybody by now is Connie and I've gone through a transition with, you know, my career and, right. you know, hearing some of the things that came out of your mouth, not even knowing Connie and I um, was just, it was what we needed for the moment. And so for that, I'm very, very grateful. And uh, I know you do that a lot. I know you kind of have uh, an ability and a gift to speak into people's lives. Where is that from and why is that so important to you? Yeah, well, I mean, if you get to know me, I mean, you, you hear me speak, you can obviously most people will walk up to me after an event and they'll say, you sound like a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> I, say, well, I am one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's my background. My my degree, my education and training formally is in theology. I have a bachelor's of arts degree in theology. Spent a great deal of time, half of my life, literally over 20 years, was in full-time ministry, working in various ranks with youth ministry, young adult, to even church planting and traveling, evangelistic ministry. Spent some time working in the Christian music industry, working with some artists that you may know that are on the radio today, and just had a blast in life and ministry. Um, but what people don't know is that it comes with challenges. That one of my favorite quotes says, above all else, count the cost. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think many times we don't stop to think, if I'm going to go this direction, have I counted what's going to cost me? And so uh, the background really comes from that. But as you know, there's a lot more to the story, which I'm sure yeah. we'll get into. But, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, people always ask, well, where's your, where's your training come from? Like, you have this insight, this knowledge. And, and I always smile and say, well, my degree is in theology. Right. Worth a whole lot in the secular world. And said, so am I trained? Do I understand how to research and do these things? Yes. But am I also trained professionally in other areas of business and marketing and leadership? The answer is yes. But a lot of it comes from life experience and just download from, from the Lord. I mean, I know that sounds crazy to some people. Some people are like, well, that sounds woo-woo weird. I don't care about that. I want a guy that has the MBA and the PhD and all that. I can tell you, I've got a guy on my team that's a PhD in PhD mode right now. And he, we go back and forth. And he's like, dude, I, I cannot do what you do. I don't know how you came up with that, or I don't know how you understood that. And a lot of it comes from experience. I mean, when you lead teams of people and you get into the intuition mode of working with people, leaders have to be intuitive. So let's talk about that just a second, because intuitiveness is an overlooked skill to me. And I, I don't even know it's easy to describe, right? Yeah. Because 
like when we were having dinner that night, you said some things to Connie and I had you, you, there was no way in the world you could have known that level of personal, uh, that, I mean, that level that was so personal to us. And yet it came out of you. I, I think one of the reasons I'm drawn to you is because in the attraction power that you have is that intuitive gene in you, that intuitive bone, whatever that is, that causes you to kind of see past the surface. Is that something a person is born with? Can they develop that or how does that work? Well, I believe what Dr. John C. Maxwell used to say is that leaders are not born, they are created. And so for me, there was a lot of great mentorship and discipleship in my life. And one of the things that I learned early on was leaders listen more than they speak. And so leaders ask more questions than give advice. And so many times, especially when my, my, my children are around me, sometimes I'll just take them on a consultation run and then we'll go into the car and I'll say, what do you see dad do? And they always say the same thing. You ask a lot of questions. Yeah, because if I ask enough questions, I'll eventually lead to the answer. And I'm not trying to find the answer. I'm trying to lead you to the answer. Right. More than I can listen, I can understand where you're coming from. But the truth is, Zig Ziglar used to say it this way. For me, it comes from my faith, which comes from God the Father through his son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's me. Right. And I know many people have their various sources. But for me, it's being very intuitive, very in, very in tune with my creator so I can understand what's happening. And, you know, there's also a process that every day I have my quiet time. I have my meditation time. And typically it's multiple times a day, early morning, sometimes middle of the day, many times late at night on my porch, reflection, celebrating the wins. But in, intuition really comes from taking time to just be, be quiet, being centered. And that was something that, I mean, I've always been, I mean, if you see me speak, I'm a real high energy, real intense personality. But one of the things I've learned is how to slow down. Notice that I learned that. I learned how to slow down. I learned how to be quieter. I learned how to speak less and listen more. So I'm looking at the wall behind you and I see the word yeah. growth and hustle and focus. I don't see what the blue one is, but innovation. I think there's not enough conversation wrapped around this whole notion of intuition. Yeah. And, and I think, the reason is because you just described it. I don't know that people are really willing to slow down and are really willing to be more uh, committed to listening right. as opposed to speaking, because you probably agree with this. I think we find more validation in speaking than we oh, do yeah. in listening. True. And this is why many times in organizations, especially you and I work with, we find out that we eventually made the wrong hire or we have a culture that is not what we want it to be is because we don't take enough time to ask questions, to listen, and to move through the process slowly. Many times when we're involved in that process of working with leadership training, we teach leaders to just slow down, slow down, ask the right questions. I'm working with a group right now that has gone through a hiring spree with recruiting a new team. I said, learn to ask the right questions. Ask more questions. Stop selling your business to the candidate. They're already sold. That's why they're in front of you. They apply. They want to work for you. It's up to you to find out, are they the right fit? And the only way to do this, ask a lot of questions, move through the process slowly and listen to how people respond. Yeah, it's hard to read between the lines if you're not listening to the person who's speaking the lines, right? And so I tell people pretty regularly, if you're listening and not trying to find your opening to where you can talk in the conversation, it's amazing how much more you'll learn about somebody and I you said something earlier, and I think a lot of people miss this. To me, coaching is that question asking kind of format. You know, you 
you and I as mentors and guides and advisors, sometimes people ask us to come in and they've not been able to really um, uh, figure it out themselves and they need some advice, maybe some wisdom and understanding. But I think we live in a society where our society is addicted to advice. Absolutely. Think yeah. about that. We just, we don't, we have lost this innate ability to process through and work out and figure out really what's in us that needs to come out of us to complete us. And so we think, well, I can go ask somebody and they'll give me the answer. And what I have found, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but is when I learn something myself, those, you know, people may have helped me get there. Once I learn it, and if I'm wanting change to be lasting and noticeable, I've got to figure that out. And what I tell people all the time is you're creative and you're resourceful. Let's journey this together because what you figure out, you'll be more committed to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes back to one of the things I talk about a lot is that, you know, many times when we're looking at applicants, we will just grab people that are good on paper, they look good on paper. And what I always ask is, you know, really what comes natural to you? What are your gifts? What do you love? What do you enjoy most? Yeah. Because looking for instead of just commissioning someone as I'm looking for the calling in someone yeah is that and the only way to find the calling is I gotta uncover gifts first what are your gifts what comes natural to you what are your natural loves your natural inclinations what pulls mm -hmm. you what do you wake up thinking about what do you go to yeah. bed thinking about what do you think about throughout the day that's what you have to be doing and so if we can point people toward that direction we uncover that then we can place them into their calling and then we can commission them. Then we can put them in the right role, in the right seat in the organization. Many times we do it the whole opposite. We'll just place people and then we go, what have I done? And my question is, well, what are they gifted at? I don't really know. Yeah. So I think that's a great analogy is, you know, that whole calling and figuring that out. What is their talent and gifts and ability and how does that fit into the company? Yes. And then you can commission them. You bet. And commission is just the tasks, you know, yes. what's associated with the calling and the job that we have. That's very interesting to me. What's yeah. that, Tell me the name of your company again. I can't. It's Vision. Higher Vision Coaching. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And I was looking at your website and I've heard you talk a couple of times and this word came up. I, it was an interesting word to me. And I'd like for you to just take a minute and explain it because I think it has a powerful impact to it. And it's Visionomics. Yes. Uh, so where did that come from and kind of walk us through what that means and, you know, the potential impact it can have on our lives and businesses? Yeah. So I'm a great believer in mentors and people in my life. And I, I mentors can come in various forms. They can come through books, tutorials, videos, podcasts, you yeah. name it. But one of those for me was uh, Andy Stanley when he wrote a book called Visioneering. And the word visioneering jumped at me, which his was engineering and structuring a vision. And I went, yeah, I get that. And I had a pastor for years that used to talk about um, the foresight and having a foresight of where we're going and knowing where we're moving. And and I took those components. And I started really breaking down the words and the terminology, but working in a lot of economic development areas and working with salespeople, a lot of times we're looking at return on investment. We're looking at metric formulas and what is the ROI that's given back. And so when you talk about that, that's an economic factor. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine that was also a long-term client of mine, he said, man, it's it's like vision and economics 
combined. And I said, yeah, vision and economics combined, man. That's what I teach is it's economic development, but it's all focused on vision. He goes, it's visionomics. I went, <laughs> yeah. So the definition that I came up with is visionomics is where vision and economics collide to make an impact. You have to have both. It's if I'm going to impact a community, if I'm going to impact my own organization, I have to have a vision. Without a vision, people perish. And that's not just physical death. It's emotional, social, spiritual, financial. It's my culture. And so everything's going to die if I don't have a vision focus. But at the same time, I have to have an economic focus knowing what is the strategy here? How are we going to make a change happen in our community through our money, through our business, through our money, the nonprofit with our money, our church with our money? Because, you know, hey, I can have all the money in the world, but what if I don't know what to do with it? You know, like I told you earlier, before we hopped on this podcast, I said, I just had a conversation with my team where I said, listen, I understand you have a great goal, but why? What are you going to do with the money? Because again, eventually you're going to burn out. You'll get frustrated. What about when you have a bad day and you don't want to do this anymore? I do. I don't know about you, but right there are days I'm just like, I'm tired. I just don't want to do it. You know, yeah. Even though I love what I do. I'm blessed to do what I do. There are days I'm going, just don't have it in me. And so I have to have a vision. Plus I have to know my why, which is we talk, break it down into three pieces, which is now sight, fourth sight, and foresight. The foresight is the end result. That's the vision, which is the where. And a lot of times you probably just like I do, you'll walk into organizations and they'll have a vision statement on the wall. I go, that's not a vision statement. That's a mission statement. Because mission is why, vision is where. Yeah. Vision, higher visions vision, is we want to reach as many rural populations as possible across America through economic impact. Right? That's my where. Rural populations across America. It's where I want to go. I want to impact rural communities under 20,000 people. That's our sweet spot all across America. Well, then I have to have a strategy and a how to unpack that. But our mission is we do that through our various programs and we, we move things through what we do. But my personal mission, JD's personal mission, is I exist to encourage and empower people from all walks of life for their personal and result and their creative destiny and purpose. We have to have a mission and we have the vision. So we have to have the foresight, which is the vision, but the fourth site which is the forward motion which is my why which is my wit mission in order to hit the vision that's good really good so what what um caused you to gravitate to toward rural communities because nobody goes there uh where i live in southwest missouri i'm surrounded i i am in the fifth joppa missouri is the fifth largest city in our entire state we have fifty thousand people okay we're the fifth largest city and we have fifty thousand people and so where i grew up I had a passion for people that were like me, a passion for people that were around me that did not have the opportunities to go to the larger cities, especially small business owners. Think about people that we know. Think about people that do not have the opportunity to invest, to go to the conferences, to purchase coaching, yeah. any of the different various avenues to better themselves. Why? Because, well, I, I'm a small business. I have to keep my doors open. I have to work my business. Or in all reality, well, a $500 ticket to an event, plus my three days of hotel, plus my meal, plus my fight, I'm in it for 1500 bucks. Well, what if I have a four-person team that really deserves to go? I can't afford that. And so our heart was we wanted to create a formula that was going to target people that does not have access to those resources. Now, do we do business with people in larger cities? Absolutely. I do a lot of business in Dallas-Fort Worth. I do a lot of business in San Antonio. Um, do a lot of great things with a lot of cool people that you and I are connected to. However, I knew that my heartbeat was I wanted to make sure that everyone had an, a fair opportunity. And so that that was really where our heart was. And so we have two formulas for our business model. We have our local business model and we have our national business model. And so we have two business models. So we know that one, here's our local small business, rural America model that we can say, this is what we can do for you. 
Then we have our reach, our national business model. So this is our national model. If I'm going to travel somewhere, if I'm going to spend a week on the ground with you, this is what it looks like. So we really created two different formulas where we can still have access to the small business owner and the larger business owner. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting to me. You also, I heard you talk about, um, uh, we would right before we got on the podcast, you talk about the importance of mindfulness when it comes to every conversation. This really intrigued me. I've yeah. got my own opinions on it, but why don't you tell me what that came out of and yeah. why it's important to you? Oh, wow. That's a, it's a, a deep subject because I think a lot of people, so just growing up, a part of my history, and I'm not going to share the full story. That's for another time. But, you know, I shared with you and Connie that a part of my history grew up in an extremely, extremely abusive situation, very low, low income, poverty situation. Um, literally one time, nothing but a jar of green onions in the fridge. Uh, so abusive one time that I watched my father break a cane across my mother's back. And that was an everyday life in my house. And so most times we didn't know if we were going to eat unless we found it from a local church or a food pantry. I didn't know if I came home with the electricity was going to be on. Many times I remember the electricity being shut off, watching a TV show, the water just stopping when you're washing your hands. Uh, that was how I grew up. And so when you, when you grow up in those circumstances, many times bullying happens. And so, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot three, 280 pounds. I'm built like an NFL offensive lineman. I was always a three sport year athlete through junior high and high school, but there's always bullies. Bullying comes from a place of insecurity, number one. Number two, it comes from a place of just a self-centered self agenda. And so for me, I was sharing with our team this week, I said, always be mindful of the conversations you're having and always be mindful of the conversations others are having because if they're talking to you about someone else, they're talking about you to someone else. Yeah. If they're talking to you about someone else, they're talking about you to someone else. And typically it's not the positive. Typically it's, did you hear so-and-so it's such and such? You know, well, that's what I heard. And so for me, I was sharing with our team. I said, you know, I, I never want to be known to be that. You know, I, I want my personal brand is exactly what my personal mission is. I encourage, I empower. I want people to know J.D. Buckner should be the guy that, man, the guy was always positive, always that smile on his face. If you need fired up, call him. If you need a resource, call him. If you need to get yeah. to call him. Um, I want to be that guy. And I want my team. I want our brand. I want higher vision to be that. And so every one of our team, we have this, this, this uh, philosophy of we're always going to be positive. We're always going to be nice. We're always going to be a champion for those that are in our industry and for those that are outside of our industry. We want to be known to be the people that are positive because the people that are negative, people pick up on it. I don't like negative people. I, it, it brings us down. You know, one of my favorite quotes is iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another man's hands. So I say it this way. If iron sharpens iron, a dull blade rubbing up against a dull blade creates a duller blade. Mm. I don't want to be, I want to be sharp. And the only way to maintain that sharpness is I am who I surround myself with. And so um, I want to be known to be the positive guy. So if, if there's a mindful conversation over here, I need to be mindful that I don't need to engage that. Number one. Secondly, I don't want to be engaged in that. And I need to learn to walk away, say no. And sometimes I need to actually shut conversations down, which I've done. I've done at times. I'll just say, you know what? That's not appropriate. And I don't think that's something we need to engage in. And I'll just take the conversation. I'll take control. And I'll shift it another direction. Yeah. Um, to me, as I was thinking about that statement, I thought how every little conversation becomes a morsel for life or death. Yeah. Right. And so, we, I, I believe, and I know you do too, that there's power of both life and death in the tongue. And so when you started talking about being mindful of conversations, I thought, you know, how often do we audit ourselves? Yeah. Like we just have this carefree kind of casual approach to life 
And we welcome that into our lives from others as well. And I think it's leading us down a dangerous path. Um, and I, you know, I've seen it ruin relationships. I've seen it ruin job opportunities. I've seen it lose. I mean, it's just create havoc on people, but yet I don't think most people think too much, even after they said something about what they've said and the impact it's had, not just on others' lives, but their own. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And I, and so I think the lesson learned here guys is, you know, be mindful that every conversation you have needs auditing every yeah. conversation that you have. And if it's a bad one, correct it and try to, you know, learn from it so that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And so, yeah, I thought that was an interesting thought and uh, hopefully that's a tool that people can use to really change the course and direction of the relationships and with other yep. people. So what else is happening in your life that you're excited about? What are the other wow. things that are going on that, that, cause this whole show is about how do we encourage people, right? How do we uh, give information to them that maybe we're experiencing or I've heard from somebody else that creates that forward lean, anything particularly on your heart that, that you want to share? So I was sharing with you earlier before we jumped on here about the word legacy. The legacy is yeah. really that's that's impressing on my heart right now in a major way. I'm, I'm I'm teaching my kids the power of legacy, teaching my team the power of legacy. We're teaching our clients the power of legacy. And the reason for that is the legacy is to leave behind. You know, Proverbs tells us that we need or to be mindful of our reputations. And many people say, well, I don't care what people think about me. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Um, I think you do actually. And if we really get into it, the reason that you dress the way you do, the reason you bought the souped up truck, the reason you got the big wrap, the reason you bought the <laughs> is because you do care about what people think and you want to look a certain way. Let's be honest. Let's be real. We do care what people think about us. Mm. So the word legacy though, is really what's going to be said when I'm gone. Well, I don't even care about that. People can think of me, whatever they want. But again, you, you just prove that you do care what people think about you, which is why you work mm. so hard on your weight loss, your fitness journey, your image, your clothes, your car, your house, whatever it may be. How many people, Reggie, have you and I talked to in the last probably year? You and I, I mean, we know some of the same people that you, they look a certain way on the outside, but then you find out they're really broke. Yeah. Right. You know, and, it's, and it, it blows my mind. And I just simply want to say, dude, just be who you are. Just be who you are. You don't have to work yeah. hard to look this way or be this way. I'm just me, man. I'm just me. I drive what I drive. I dress the way I dress. I look the way I look. And I'm not going to change that based upon what someone may think or want me to be because it's, it's about my heart. But hear what I said. I'm not going to change based upon what's inside of my heart. It's a heart thing. If my heart is pure, my outside will become pure. I will have the motive to want to look a certain way, take a shower, get a haircut, whatever, because my heart is reflective. The inside's reflective of what's on the outside. Many times we'll focus so much on the outside, but we're not focusing on the inside. We're not focusing on what's inside here. And then all of a sudden when someone's gone, how many times do you go to a funeral and after the funeral, you don't call the family anymore. You don't speak that person's name anymore. Why? That person didn't have a legacy. I want to leave a legacy that says that J.D. Buckridge, and I've told my kids, this is what's going on my headstone. He loved God, he loved his family, he loved his community, and he served them all well. That's it. You know, I don't care about accolades, I don't care about awards, I don't care about those things. When they come, they come. I've had them. They're nice. I'm not saying that I don't appreciate those things. Let's be real. My ego still appreciates the awards. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But when we get so focused on wanting to achieve an award, 
achieve a recognition. I'm a, man, that's a $100 million or bust. Why? Like, why? Here's what I say. Money can burn. Uh, houses can burn or fall down. Boats can sink, right? Cars will break down. Clothes will wear out. What never wears out is what's inside of here. Mm -hmm. My heart. And so, you know, this is, goes back to what we, we had uh, our dinner conversation about. Who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, who, who's empowering me? Who's speaking life into me? Who can I trust with valuable information? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that circle should be small, to be honest with you. My circle is small, really small. I can count on one hand, less than five fingers, less than five fingers, the people I call when I have a crisis. And that's a true story. My, my, I used to tell people, who can you call when you have a flat tire? Right. Who's going to I got you right? If you cannot come up with at least one or two people, then you have a problem. You don't have a legacy. What you have is you have a self. And I don't want to live selfishly. I want to live legacy. And, and it's hard. I'm human, man. I mean, there are days I go, eh, whatever, dude. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. Yeah. But and that's, that's coming back to focus of what, what's happening with me, though. You know, like what's happening on my heart? I got to refill myself. So for me, number one, that's my faith. That's number one. Number two, is who are those closest to me and that's gonna be my family next and then outside of my family then it's my it's it's like jesus and the 12 disciples you know the scripture says about jesus whatever you want to say about him the bottom line is he's a historical figure that did exist we can all prove and validate that mm -hmm. he had thousands of people that followed him everywhere thousands that followed him everywhere but he had 72 that with with him everywhere he went he had 12 he called his disciples three he said come get away with me for a little while one, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. If we think about that, a lot of theologians believe that the apostle Peter was probably his best friend and James and John were the two next closest to Peter in his life. Mm -hmm. This who fundamentally changed our world globally, whether you believe or not, it doesn't matter. He did. He's a historical figure that changed the way many of us think, act, feel, and believe. But he had one person, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and three people. He said, let's get away. That was his inner circle. Yeah, he had best friends, three he got away with, right? And so I keep my circle small to stay built up because my legacy, I want I want people that's going to do two things. One, I want you to speak into my life, uh, iron sharp and iron my legacy. But guess what? I also want people that will push me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Who, who's going to say, you know what, man? I don't know that I would do that. Here's what I would do. You know what? You should do this. Yeah, I don't know. Why do you say I don't know, JD? And I've had that lately and it, where I've had, especially Andrew on my team, Andrew Moyer, who's a top consultant as well, travels all the country doing what we do. And Andrew's one who go, man, I don't know about that. I just don't know why you want to do that. And I'll try to explain it. And he'll go, yeah. He always says, he'll, he goes, mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As a leader, I have to be humble enough to say, okay, hmm, it's interesting that you feel that way. Help me understand where you're coming from because I need to know what you see. Yeah. And then he'll speak to me and say, you know what I see in JD? Here's what I see. This, this, and this. And I need you to be this for me. I need you to be this for us as a team. And this is what I really see. And you're not pushing yourself enough in this area. It'll rock my world every time. I called him yesterday. I said, dude, thank you for that conversation because, man, that really pushed me today. So, yeah, legacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, as we kind of shut this thing down today, I, I would say this. as I've Many of you have heard me say this before. But here's what I assure you. You can never leave something you didn't live. That's right. That's right. So if your legacy you're concerned about 
then it's probably going to affect the living part of your life as well. Right. So you can't leave something you didn't live. So yeah. your legacy will never be defined other than the things you lived and did and were. And That's so right. as you're considering your, your, uh, you know, your legacy, just realize it demands action today because yeah. the way you're acting today, tomorrow, and however many days you have left. And the cool thing about it is if you're listening to this broadcast and you're not happy with the leg, listen, broadcast, I'm still preaching <laughs> into this podcast today. And, uh, and you go like, I'm not real happy with my, you know, what, if I'm going today, I'm not real happy with what people think about me. The good news is start over. Yeah. You know, just, just start building some new ways that people see you because of the behavior adjustments that you know are required of you so that when you are gone, your legacy will be defined by the life you have lived. Well, buddy, look, man, I, I am so thankful for you taking time with me. It's very you good bet. to meet, you know, be able to have met you and us being able to get to know each other a little bit well. Um, so thanks so much for being My with me today. It's my honor. And thank you so very much for having me today, Reggie. And thank you for all the listeners who are listening and supporting everything. Tell them how, yeah. Tell them how to get a hold of you. If they need to get, I want to get a hold yeah. of you. So, uh, one, a few different ways. One, you can always go to the website, which is www.timeforvision.net. That's T I M E F O R vision.net. Yep. Uh, at JD Buckridge on all social channels, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok. You're going to find me just at JD, B-U-C-K-R-I-D-G-E, JD Buckridge on all social channels. Um, I would love to connect. Let's connect. And also the podcast, uh, Think Big with JD Buckridge on all of your streaming platforms. So oh. give a listen. My, my podcasts are really short. They're like less than 10 minutes long. It's drive time stuff with some fun music behind it. I like to tell people I got a little barbecue sauce in it. So you're going to hear some barbecue sauce in the background trying to cook. <laughs> um, they're fun. They're designed to be fun and quick little snippets. And so um thank you so much right for the opportunity to be here today it's truly an honor and a privilege thank you guys thank you for taking time again to drop by and listen uh, and we hope through this conversation today that you will be inspired and feel more confident to lean into life as opposed to getting back on your heels have a great day we love you and god bless you